Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. The Milwaukee Brewers made several offseason moves, but were they enough to make them a legitimate National League caliber team in 2024? Greetings, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Dan Zolinski III as we chat about the past, present, and future of the Milwaukee Brewers. Dan is the founder and the editor of Baseball Prospect Journal, a fantastic website that is a must-read for any true baseball fan. Hello, Dan. Hey, Gary. How are you? Good, good. My uh, favorite baseball writer. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, I appreciate that. Hey, uh, before we uh, delve into the uh, Brewers and, and their upcoming season and, and some of the moves they made during the offseason, I just want to ask you a little bit about your website. What prompted you to create this site? Uh, it, it's really fascinating and really gives you a nice overview of the uh, guys that are going to be in the Major League Draft and so forth. Thanks. Yeah, so I'll try to keep it real short. So when I was a student at UW-Milwaukee studying journalism, I was covering, you know, the college team, things like that. But I wanted to branch out and do something different. So I kind of was looking at areas that weren't covered a lot. Mm-hmm. And baseball prospects, baseball draft prospects was one of those areas. And I'm a huge baseball fan, have enjoyed the game a lot, enjoy covering it have enjoyed covering the Brewers and then um, just decided to do that. So I was writing uh, draft stories for my other website at the time that was just kind of focused on all my writing. And then I want to say in 2019, maybe it was 2018, I decided to just launch baseball prospect journal and make a baseball focused prospect website. So I've been covering the draft now. This is either year nine or 10. I'd have to go back and look. I've interviewed about 600 draft prospects in that time yeah i was gonna say i, I thought it's more like ten thousand, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you are very very comprehensive and thorough there thanks yeah it's fun uh doing it kind of digging in talking with these guys and also talking with some scouts and things like that just getting a full kind of perspective on who these prospects are yeah who was among these many many interviews who was the player that kind of stood out anybody ever make a like a real distinct impression on you or a couple guys and you thought man they, they, they're gonna make it i mean they, they got star written all over them yeah that's a great question everyone likes to ask me that and it's easier to pick out the interviews that went bad than the ones that were great, <laughs> yeah. frankly, because it I, seems I'm a like true journalist. Because <laughs> it seems like there's been a lot of good interviews. I guess most recently, one stands out: Dylan Cruz. He's a second overall pick last year yeah. in the draft, and he was an LSU outfielder. Just really mature, put together, really talented. I thought he was the best prospect in last year's draft class, and just the complete package. He was a great interview. We talked for 25 minutes about everything so um that's one that's recent that really stood out did you ask him for his rookie card (laughs) i did not even though that probably would have been worth a ton but no i didn't make that (laughs) didn't make that mistake yeah i mean it's crazy uh i i used to collect cards as a kid i go back to 
the Babe Ruth era. <laughs> but for a while, their baseball cards were like a dying situation. But now they've kind of rebounded last year or two. And uh, you see some of the prices on these cards. Oh, since COVID, they've just exploded. And like, I mean, we're going to get kind of in the weeds here. But if you look at like a box of Bowman Draft, which is the kind of the box of cards that's focused on all the recent draft prospects, you're paying three, $400 for a, a box of cards. I just don't know how the regular person affords that, but yeah, I was more into it when I was younger. Now, not as much. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to get off of this uh, baseball card. simple. <laughs> one, one little story back in, I, I think it was the early nineties. I had a Roberto Clemente rookie card, 55 tops. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching the price guides for about two years and it always stood around $200, you know, maybe up to three. And this guy from Atlanta gets a hold of me and he said, Hey, I'll give you a four, four fifty, you know, four. And I thought, okay, why not? Right. Well, fast forward to today and God knows how many thousands of dollars it's worth. <laughs> that vintage stuff is it's so nice. And yeah, the price just continues to skyrocket too with that. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Brewers. And uh, certainly, they were in the news a a fair amount this uh, offseason, you know, starting with the managerial change. But the biggest piece of news, at least from my perspective, was the record-signing eight-year, $82 million contract they gave Jackson Churio. And uh, it's the highest contract ever awarded a player who had never played in the major leagues. And by, by all accounts, the guy has star written all over him, obviously. And, you know, Dan, he comes from Venezuela and I I think they could put together their own baseball hall of fame. there. (laughs) I mean, it's just ridiculous. The number of players that have come out of Venezuela. I mean, go back to when I was growing up with Louis Aparicio, you weren't even born then I'll bet. Right. (laughs) No, (laughs) I mean, Altuve and Cabrera and Ozzy Guillen, and the list goes on and on. And, you know, it's funny. I wonder how the people down there react to it. It's like, ah, another player. (laughs) But from the Brewers' perspective, he's not another player, is he? No, he's not. He's a guy that's got five-tool potential written all over him. Center fielder long-term, hits for average, hits for power, just – defensively with his elite speed really good out there definitely someone who can handle center field long term you want to see maybe a little bit better contact rate sometimes he falls into the kind of swing and miss a little bit but that's something that's improving for him and he's still really a young player still only 19 years old I don't fault the Brewers for making this signing I think We've talked about this with the Brewers payroll situation and where they're comfortable with paying guys. You have to take some risks like this. History is not on the Brewers side when it comes to doing a contract like this. If you look at the other kind of big contracts teams have given players over the years for guys who haven't even made the major leagues, they haven't usually turned out well. Luis Robert, the outfielder from the White Sox, he's had the second biggest contract. He got six years, 50 million few years back in 2020 he's probably been the best guy who has signed before reaching the major leagues and he really has only had one maybe two good years but otherwise you look at the list with Eloy Jimenez injury prone Scott Kingery with the Phillies never panned out Evan White 
with the Mariners at the time. He got traded this offseason to the Braves, another guy that really hasn't panned out. John Singleton, someone who got a sniff with the Brewers this past year in 2014, signed with the Astros before making the major leagues. Like the list goes on and on. Guys typically haven't panned out, but for the Brewers, I think it's worth the risk. Yeah, but Dan is from Venezuela. <laughs> Did you know? put my money on anybody that's good from that country? But but you're absolutely right. It, it is a risk, but it's got a high reward. And if you're the Milwaukee Brewers, it's kind of like, I, I don't want to cross over to sports here, but it's kind of like when the Bucks drafted Giannis, okay? It was like a middle of the first round pick. And I, I had talked to a bunch of NBA scouts and general managers. And they thought, yeah, you know, he's, he's got potential, but, you know, there's been dozens of guys like him coming down the pike, you know, in the last 20, 25 years. It was like a boomer bust. And if anybody in the, Bucks organization, you know, comes out and says, "Oh yeah, we we expected stardom from this guy." They're crazy. Nobody knew, but fortunately for them, you know, he's turned into a superstar. So I'm always weary when they, I should say, they major league baseball scouts, people, even media people, start making comparisons on a guy who never stepped into a batter's box at the major league level. And I mean, he's got some getting some zany comparisons. I mean, I saw one guy compared him to Ronald Acuna Jr. and Tatiste, and it's like, holy cow. I mean, you're talking about the elite of the elite. And uh, this this kid, again, hasn't even played one major league game. But my goodness, I, I did see some film on him, and I'm, <laughs> I don't pretend to be a scout, but he looks like he's got the package. I mean, he can run, he's strong, he can hit the hell out of the ball. Even if he misses, it's still fun to watch him swing and miss. <laughs> but no, I, again, on the surface, he seems to have the package. Oh, I totally agree. I think, like you said, he looks the part of being a guy who could be a franchise cornerstone for 10-plus years. And all the scouts and people you talk to, he's – top three prospect in baseball. Some consider him the best prospect in baseball. Brewers have never had that. And like we've talked about, this is worth the risk for a small market team to lock up a potential superstar type talent, someone who can be the building block of a future playoff World Series contender. It's a no-brainer, especially too now that I know Pat Murphy, when Chirio signed this deal, kind of talked about he's got to earn his spot yeah. on the major league roster he's going to be starting day one on opening day he'll be in the lineup so yeah, you really that... believe that huh <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He, he's so, he'll be right there from the get-go yeah i do i don't think you make this signing and then stick him in triple a AAA or double a for three months i think you make this signing because you're comfortable with his skill set ability and you think that he's ready to compete at the major league level one part i would be concerned about is the brewer's player development system or lack of player development when it comes to the hitters they've had in recent years. They really haven't developed a homegrown hitter since Jonathan Lucroy. The jury's still out on Sal Freelick. Now it's going to be out on Chirio. Garrett Mitchell, still jury out on him and some of those younger guys too. But the Brewers really haven't drafted, developed a guy who's gone on to be an all-star or above-average caliber hitter in recent years, but I think Chirio can be the difference because of the skill set we've talked about. Yeah, you know, the uh, last time I can ever remember 
an incoming brewer with, with so much hype surrounding him was Robin Yount. And again, you weren't even on the planet, I don't think, at that time, right? No, no. <laughs> so, you know, Robin Yount accepted the challenge from day one. He was 18 years old, and, and he came in, he proved that he belonged, and uh, obviously the guy's a Hall of Famer now. Here, here's a little piece of trivia. Who was the last guy to hit a major league home run at the age of 18? Was it Bryce Harper? No, good good, good try, though. Robin Yount. That's how far it? back it was. 18 years old. I mean, what he did yeah. is really, really amazing. I mean, it's one home run, but still, at 18, that's that's pretty cool. So, so you, you think he's going to be in the starting lineup. Do you agree that he should be in the starting lineup? I think so. I think, and we'll get into this more, but I think the Brewers this season are kind of in the middle. I think they're kind of in a, I hate to use the word rebuild, but frankly, they're kind of trending towards a rebuild or reorganization, restructuring of their major league team. So I don't think it hurts. You already locked him up. So service time isn't a concern. You might as well let him kind of learn on the job a little bit, get his feet wet at the major league level. And if you truly believe in him, like you have shown with the amount of money you've given him, I don't see why not? I know he hasn't played a ton of games above double A. That would be the one concern that anyone would have. He's only played six games above double A. So that is a concern. But usually when we see these kind of legit prospects, these guys who are franchise caliber type players, they don't usually even go to triple A. They usually go straight from double A to the major leagues. Yeah. So um, again, he hasn't had a lot of time in double A or above. Well, above double A, I should say. He got a lot of double A experience last year with 122 games, but he looked fine in his six games at triple A. Again, I think double A usually is where the better pitchers are for the most part, anyways, because they get called up or have a brief case in triple A before getting called up. So I wouldn't be concerned. You're obviously confident in his skill set. Might as well put him in the opening day lineup and see what he can do for you. And I think, frankly, He's probably your best outfielder going into spring training at this point. Isn't that crazy? I yeah. agree with you. He could be. The interesting situation with him coming to the Brewers is they got just a logjam of outfielders, and they're young outfielders. And I just wonder what the Brewers' thinking is going forward if they're going to keep all these guys on the roster now or try to trade one or two of them. Because, like you said, I mean, if they insert them into the lineup, they got to make it clear from day one, he's the guy. He's not going to be threatened by, you know, anybody else. And that the position is his, you know, just to remain comfortable. What would you do with that outfield situation? I mean, you got Yelich and left, and then you got, you know, Bray Lake Mitchell and a couple other guys. I mean, where do you go from there? Yeah, I was a little surprised that the Brewers, and maybe they do have Freelick working on it, but it hasn't come out. Freelick is a guy who has played second base coming up before he got drafted in college at Boston College. I thought maybe you could see with the Brewers' lack of second base options that maybe consider putting Freelick back at second base or at least getting his feet wet there and seeing how he would handle it at the major league level. But right now it appears that he's going to be part of that outfield log jam. So you put Chirillo in center field, and I think you put Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelick in the corners. And then you put Yelich as the everyday DH, and then 
he can, you know, sub in once in a while in the outfield on a given day. But I think with Christian Yelich and some of his injury history, if the less wear and tear he has is good. So I would consider him being more of the full-time DH unless you want to give guys day off. And then you got Joey Weimer as a backup. Who I, think that's, Weaver, yeah. I think I think he's more of a fourth outfielder at the major league level anyways. So I think you can really solve the problem by putting Yelich at DH and then letting the young guys play and figure it out in the outfield. The jury's still out on Garrett Mitchell, on Sal Freelich, on Joey Weimer. Let those guys figure it out in the outfield and keep Yelich at the DH spot, limit the wear and tear, and then see what he can do offensively for you. Yeah, and the other thing the uh, Brewer, Brewers management has to do, I mean, it's imperative, and I'm sure they're well aware of it, is that if they do start him from day one, that they have patience with him. Not that he starts out the season, you know, oh, an 18 slump, you know, and say, okay, we're sending you back to the minors. I mean, the odds are he's going to struggle. I mean, as good as he is and the potential he has, you know, he's going to struggle. You got to show, you know, support for him and stick behind him. They, they can't panic because then they might <laughs> have lost the guy already. You know, I mean, his, his confidence will be shot. So, yeah, I totally agree. With this season, they have plenty of time to be patient with him. So, keep him in the major leagues and hopefully, like some of those veteran guys with Hoskins, with Yelich, with Contreras, those guys can kind of help him too along the way. Yeah, and you know what? The Brewers need a marketing magnet, and this kid might be it, you know? And especially if he does get off to a great start, you know what I mean? Right now on that team, who is really, like, a huge fan favorite? I mean, there's guys that fans like, but uh, there's no Giannis, there's no Jordan Love, in my mind, to really pique the fan base, especially the young fan base. So from a marketing standpoint... You know, he, he he could really, you know, be a boom to that franchise. Yeah, Christian Yelich was that guy when he was MVP and one of the best players in the league, and then he had his injury history, and he's kind of tailed off ever since. Still, I think, a well-liked player, but I wouldn't say he's he's the face of the franchise because, or maybe now it's Chirio, but before the last six months, he was the face of the franchise because he was the highest-paid guy. But now... I mean, I don't think I don't think people are going to the ballpark saying, "Oh, I want to see Christian Yelich." I don't think most fans are in that boat anymore. Absolutely so, not. and a pitcher pitches every fifth or sixth day these days, and Corbin Burns is closer to being on the way out than he is being a you know marquee pitcher for the Brewers. So, I agree. I think they need a face of the franchise, and with this next wave of guys coming, Chirio is definitely going to be that. Yeah, the Brewers did make another interesting move. I, I mean, the Jackson story, I, I think it's fascinating, but they went out and got Reese Hoskins. They they signed him to what was it, like a three-year deal? No, two years, and I forget how much. Two years, $34 million, I believe. Yeah, and it could end up being three years at 48, but he has an opt-out after the first year, and if he chooses to opt out, he gets $4 bucks, and then, but if he stays then there's a mutual option, I believe, for the third year. So it's pretty much a one-year deal, and if things don't work out for him, he'll be back next year. I mean, this is going to be a fascinating side side story, too, because he didn't play at all last year. He, he suffered that serious knee injury, 
But the year before, I mean, he looked like a, a pretty decent player. He had 30 home runs and I think 79, 80, 80 RBIs and gave that team some pop. And I mean, he's the typical Brewer player, isn't he? Boomer bust, you hit a home run or you strike out. <laughs> but I, I thought it was a it was a really nice uh, gamble. Again, risk reward, but if they can get that knee straightened out and uh you know, he remains confident that that could be a real sweet addition. Yeah. I think it was a smart move. It, I was actually surprised that they went this direction just because the Brewers really haven't signed a free agent for above 10 million in some time now, but Reese Hoskins, like you said, even though he's kind of a little bit boomer bust over the last couple of years with high strikeout numbers, low walks, kind of a lower average around 246, 247, 245, the last three years he does provide a lot of power he's a guy that i think at miller park could hit 30 home runs and he was a well-liked player in philadelphia philly's really liked him and viewed him as a key piece of their roster and then he got hurt and bryce harper needed a spot to play the phillies had an opening at first base and with bryce who? Har- oh. bryce harper <laughs> yeah it's yeah, good yeah yeah with him coming back from the Tommy John surgery, he couldn't play in the outfield, but he wanted to play. So they put him at first base. He played well, and the Phillies liked the idea of him being at first base, less wear and tear than running around in the outfield. So it just kind of pushed Hoskins out the door. And I like this move. I mean, frankly, if you're a Brewer fan, you're hoping it turns into only a one-year deal because that means Hoskins had a really good season for them. And I think also it could turn into a trade ship at the trade deadline, if the Brewers aren't in contention and if he's having a really good year where it looks like he's going to opt out, he could be a guy that a contending team might be interested in for a quality bat down the playoff run. So I like this move. I think it's low risk. You needed to do something at first base instead of getting these journeymen first basemen who really are boom or bust, at least Hoskins. He's a veteran guy. He's got experience winning and he's got multiple years of track records. So I like the move. I think it's going to hopefully work out well for the Brewers. So you see that as an upgrade over Tlez and Santana? hundred <laughs> percent. I think so. I think even though both those guys had their moments, I just don't yeah. think the consistency was there with them where I think, you know what you're going to get with Reese Hoskins. Again, he's not hitting 300, but he's going to give you 30 home runs. He's going to give you 30 doubles and he's going to drive and run. So he's someone who can anchor the middle of your lineup and be kind of that reliable option at first base instead of having to platoon two or three guys at that position and hope one of them works out. The Brewers really haven't had this caliber of a first baseman in some time. I mean, I hate to say all the way back to Fielder, but ever since Fielder, it's really been a guy they picked up on a one-year deal hoping he was going to work out and produce. And now they got a guy that, is a quality major league hitter. So I'm excited about it. I think it's worth the gamble. And like I said, hopefully for the Brewers sake, it's turns into a one year deal. Cause that means he had a really good season. Yeah. You know, uh, just like Churio, I, I guess there's some doubt though, whether he'll be available for opening day. I mean, have you heard that or is that? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. And frankly, if he would miss, I would hate to see him miss the first month, but if he misses the first couple of weeks, so be it. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. Like, as long it's as you the NFL, get, you know. Yeah, if you can get 120, 130 games out of him, that's I think more than enough. Historically, 
he's played besides a couple seasons closer to 160 games a year, 150 games a year. He got banged. Well, 2020 was a shortened year and then he got banged up a little in 2021. So he only played 107 games that year, but otherwise he's been over 150 every full major league season he's had throughout his career. So this is a guy that had frankly a freak freak injury, but otherwise has been pretty durable throughout his career. You know, and the, like you said, the, the Brewers can't really lose on this. They they need run producers. And if you're a good run producer, finding them isn't easy, you know, where you pay through the roof. It's not, them. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, I, I thought this was just a, a terrific move. And if it pans out, great for the Brewers. If it doesn't, it's not going to be devastating yeah, to them. It's probably about $16 million per year, depending on how you want to look at the per year breakdown of it. So, I mean, really, like you said, Run producers aren't cheap, and $16 million in today's baseball is definitely a more affordable contract than it was five years ago. Yeah. Well, we we talked about Churio, and we talked about uh, Hoskins. Those were interesting moves. And then the uh, uh, another very fascinating move, and it's been talked about ever since it occurred, is Craig Council leaving for the Cubs and being replaced by Pat Murphy and we, you know, I think the last time you and I talked on a podcast, I uh, expressed my high regard for Council. I, I think he's the best manager in baseball. I thought he took a lot of unnecessary grief for his decision to go to Chicago, but what he what he has done in his tenure with the Brewers is nothing short of amazing. I mean, their their everyday starting lineup, at least from my perspective, was garbage. Uh, granted, they had a, had a good to very good pitching staff, but their everyday lineup was horrible. And somehow he managed to get the Brewers into the playoffs, what, for the last six years. <laughs> and last year, they won 92 games. I mean, the only teams that won more in the National League were uh, Atlanta and the Dodgers. And, and their payrolls are, what, 100 times more than the Brewers? I mean, I, I thought he did a magnificent job. Now, as far as Murphy goes, he seems to be a really good guy. I mean, he's got a bright baseball mind. Obviously, he's been around the game forever in college and major league level. And I don't know the man, but looking from the outside, it seems like he's a really good guy. He's got a really you know friendly demeanor, and I, I think he's going to fit in well there. I think so too. I think starting with Council, I wasn't shocked that he left. I thought he would after this past season. Whether he took a year off to step away or continued managing. I think the biggest shocking part of it was that he went to the Cubs. But I think when you take a step back and really look at it from a big picture standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. He's still close to Whitefish Bay, which is where he grew up. He's got a house in Lake Country, Wisconsin area. So he still can, you know, go to that every once in a while or whatever. He's close by and he's got a daughter in high school. He's got two sons that are playing in the Big Ten so he's in a big tent city. Like there's a lot of things that make a lot of sense about council yeah. going to the Cubs over say the Mets or something like that. I think after it came out that he went to the Cubs, I frankly, I was surprised that no one thought of that as an idea or an option yeah. beforehand. I think, you know, people are upset because he's a local guy who grew up a Brewers fan. His dad worked for the organization and people feel betrayed that he went to the Cubs. Well, he went to the Cubs because he's the highest paid manager in baseball 
right now. He's going to make more as a manager than he did throughout his playing career. He's the best manager in the sport who's done, like you said, you agree more, with with, more with less than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, the Brewers have trotted out a triple-A to triple-A-plus lineup most of his tenure there. So what he's done has been spectacular, and I think we're going to see it this year. We're going to see it the next couple of years with the Brewers and their lack of probably success because I think Council did a great job with team chemistry, setting expectations, and was just really brought that clubhouse together and allowed guys to achieve more than probably their ability. So for the Cubs, I don't blame them for going to get Council. Council's been a guy who, even before the Brewers hired him, was really well regarded, someone who got looks by the Rays and a few other organizations before he decided to take the Brewers' job. And analytically, really well-driven. Team culture is great. And I think with the Cub resources, he has a chance to be extremely successful there. And I'm not going to knock him either if he doesn't end up winning a World Series. I think this was a smart move for him to go to the Cubs cash in, make your money, and go to a team that's serious about winning or an owner that's serious about winning and going for World Series every year. So I like it. I think it's it's a smart move for him. When we look at the Brewers situation with Pat Murphy, Ricky Weeks as his associate manager, mm-hmm. um, interesting title they gave him. I think pretty much a glorified bench manager position, bench coach position. But – Pat Murphy, 65, got a three-year deal. Seems like a great guy. I think there's two reasons they went with Pat Murphy. One was for the fact that he couldn't go to the Cubs, and it allowed them to kind of keep their coaching staff intact because they hired from within. So Pat Murphy's familiar with all these other coaches. He's fine with them. He's on board with those guys on the coaching staff. So it allows them to keep all their coaches instead of getting some pressure from the coaches to allow them out of their deals and potentially have gone to the Cubs and followed council. And then also three-year contract. I think the Brewers are in a window right now where I don't think it's realistic to expect them to make the playoffs. So I think a three-year stretch here is probably what it's going to take for them to get these younger guys up that they're high on in their minor league system that are going to be part of that next wave of playoff contention for them. So I think Pat Murphy's job is really just to kind of stable the ship here, develop these young guys, let the young guys play, and also to help Ricky Weeks along and learn the game from a managerial standpoint at the major league level. Pat Murphy's got a ton of coaching experience, whether it was in college as the head coach at Notre Dame and Arizona State, Arizona State premier program in college baseball. And then he also got a taste of managerial experience with the Padres. So I think he's really going to be kind of that mentor to Ricky Weeks. And Ricky Weeks is really going to be the manager probably long-term for this franchise and someone who kind of takes the reins once the Brewers are ready to really legitimately compete again for a playoffs and hopefully a World Series. Yeah, yeah, good points. Um, You know, I I think one thing that bodes well for Brewer Nation is that Council really, really had a high regard for Murphy. I mean, he kept him on as his bench coach for many years. And, you you know, if you're a Council, you're you're not going to bring in a dummy or somebody that you don't trust. And uh, it's very apparent that Council respected Murphy. And the one thing that I I thought was – 
perhaps council's best as attribute as a manager it was that he got along with players i mean the, he seemed to be on the same page with players you very very seldom heard any players grumbling which is an absolute rarity today i mean i don't care what sport football basketball baseball there there's always some malcontents and um there were situations that it could have gotten nasty i mean a couple times where he made managerial decisions that everybody questioned, but uh, it seemed like the players bought into his uh, philosophies and his decisions. And, you know, I, th I think uh, Murphy probably, you know, obviously observed that and he'll be very much the same way. Yeah, I agree. I think Council was definitely a player's coach, but he wasn't too much of a player's coach to the point where, you know, he's letting yeah, the players run right. the team. So I think there was a mutual respect on both regards. And I think that's one reason the Cubs were so interested in him because of how he manages the clubhouse. And I know people want to guess when council made up his mind. I think this was something that you hear his comments and this wasn't a decision council made in September or July or, at the beginning of last season. I think this was a decision he had made over the last couple of years that he, once his contract was up with the Brewers, he was going to look for a new opportunity. And I think the Josh Hader trade to me could be that moment that really kind of sparked the idea when they were in playoff contention, I want to say leading the division and they trade their all-star closer for almost nothing. I think that was kind of the, maybe the realization for him that the tipping point. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's not in an organization. Sure. They're committed to making the playoffs, but they're not willing to push it all in to make it to the world series and maybe sacrifice some long-term success for a world series. Yeah. I, I would love to uh, hear him really express the truth on that, but you and I know that's not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> Council keeps things close to the vest. He, he doesn't want to, you know, rock the boat, make any waves. And uh, I got a feeling outside of his inner circle, nobody's going to know when he made that decision or why he made that decision. And why not? I mean, it, it was personal. All I know is uh, he's a uh, richer man for the, <laughs> for the choice. And having been around pro athletes, pro owners, uh, executives, it's all about the Benjamins. When push comes to shove, it's about the money. You, you see it all the time. I, I'll give you a quick example of that. Monty Williams was offered the Bucks job, okay? But he didn't want the Bucks. I forgot what they were offering, like $6, 7000000 million. Well, he played his cards perfectly, and he gets, like, one of the largest salaries uh, in the NBA at the time by going to the Detroit Pistons. I mean, basically double what he would have got with the Bucks. so. Again, when it comes to professional sports, if somebody makes a decision to go somewhere else, more often than not, it's about the money. Yeah, Monty Williams would have been better off with the Bucks, and Adrian Griffin would have been better off with the Detroit Pistons. But yeah, good point. <laughs> I like that. Yep, you're, you're you're absolutely correct. But and like Council, I I can't remember off the top of my head now the amount of raise he got, but doubles or whatever. Yeah. He did from his brewer salary to now his cub salary. No one in the real world in their right mind would turn down a raise to the Absolutely. caliber of council got. If you or I got a twenty thousand or thirty thousand dollar raise or maybe even fifteen thousand dollar raise, we probably would be jumping ship to the next company. 
than staying there for less money. So yeah, I don't blame him at all. And excited to see kind of what he can accomplish with the Cubs now. Yeah, do you see any major differences that Murphy will make in his managerial style compared to Council's? I think his personality is slightly different, but I don't really see any major changes, especially from the outside looking in, maybe internally, maybe with some of those ways, you know, in spring training or whatever. But I don't think we're going to see a huge difference between Council and Murphy. But like you said, Murphy and Council, they've known each other since Council was a player at Notre Dame and Murphy was his head coach. Like there's a reason why council wanted to bring Murphy in when he yeah, got absolutely. the job as a Brewers manager. It's because they worked well together. I'm sure they, even if they have slightly different philosophies, they were able to push each other because, you know, maybe one was stronger in one area compared to the other, but I don't see a whole lot changing. I think the Brewers really this season, it's all about the young guys. They need to make sure these young guys get ABs, they get time and develop. And I think really that should be the goal for this season more than anything else. Yeah. We're coming down the stretch here. We're well, we're almost in the ninth inning here, Dan. <laughs> so <laughs> quickly, uh, what do you like about the Brewers, the uh, current cast, and what don't you like about this outfit? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say I don't like their lineup. Mm-hmm. I, I think – where the Brewers lack overall on their roster is depth. I think they're starting pitching after you get past Peralta and Burns, you see a little bit of a drop off with Wade Miley. They signed Joe Ross. They brought Colin Ray back. I think there's a little bit of a drop off there. Their bullpen, I think, is going to be fine. I really like the guys they have at the back end of the bullpen, especially Devin Williams. He's maybe the best closer in baseball. So I'm not worried about their bullpen. But I think when it comes to their lineup, when it comes to their starting pitching, I think the quality of depth there is what's going to hurt them. What I do like is the younger players they have currently on the roster with Freelich and Trio specifically and some of these other guys who I think are going to make the major leagues this year. I think Jackson Chirillo, he's going to be their opening day. You're going to see a guy like Tyler Black, who has experience really playing all over the diamond, playing second base, third base, outfield. Um, I think he even got a little bit of time at first base, I want to say. Just an overall good guy, hard worker, and had a lot of success last season. Really increased his stolen base totals, things like that. But I think he's a guy that you're going to see on the roster, maybe not opening day, but some somewhere down the line, whether he's playing second base or third base. And then the pitching, too. You've got Jacob Mizorowski. He's one of the better right-handed pitching prospects in baseball. Big guy, tremendous stuff, 21 years old. The Brewers drafted him out of Juco ball a couple of years ago. Really big potential and someone who could be an ace of a rotation really in the near future. They also got – Carlos yeah, Rodriguez. Do you, think, do you think he sees the light of day at all this year yet, or is that pushing it? I think he could. I think it. part of it will come down to where the Brewers are in the standings and mm-hmm. how he does to start the season. I would assume he got a little bit of a taste at Biloxi in A this past year. I would guess they probably send him there to start the year, hope that he's there for probably a month, and then move him up to AAA and then figure out where he is the rest of the season after that. But 
it, I wouldn't be upset if they brought him up, if they felt like he's ready. I think his stuff with his fastball slider combination, he also mixes in a curveball and occasionally a changeup, but he really doesn't need that changeup. It's special. So I think whether it's this year or next year, he's a special arm who is kind of going to be the face of the Brewers rotation in the future. You got Robert Gasser and Carlos Rodriguez, two other pitching prospects that, are on the cusp of the major leagues and being in that rotation too. So I just really like the young guys they have coming and hopefully they pan out because that's really what the Brewers are banking on for the future. So they're young guys really like, I just don't like though the overall depth or the quality of their depth. I think their starting lineups, even with Hoskins and trio after their first four hitters with Contreras, Yelich, Chirio, Hoskins, really falls off after that. So Freelich's going to have to show he can be a major league regular. Garrett Mitchell's going to have to show he can impact the baseball more than he has. So still a lot of question marks with some of their position players. So we'll see how this year pans out. Yeah, I agree with basically everything you said. Uh, I thought you were going to say the owner. <laughs> that too but I, I know your position on the owner and what a big fan you are but uh, <laughs> you know I, I tweeted this out last season i mean he should go the route that the bucks went and the bucks have three majority owners they all have deep pockets and even though they're a small market they're one of the top five highest paid teams in the nba you know and and right now they're paying three head coaches <laughs> i mean what owners do that you know but I, I wish Mark would add on, you know, a couple, at least one guy with deep pockets so they would be, you know, more players in, in the open market. And right now, you know, they're they're keeping everything to a minimum. So, you know, I, I do like their pitching staff. I mean, that's been their calling card for the last, you know, several years. But with, with Burns and Peralta, Peralta took a step forward, I thought, last year. Uh, I think he had... I'm not mistaken, like 220 strikeouts, and that was up by 30 or 40 over the uh, previous years. So they, they are really solid, you know, at, at that spot, at one and two. Number three, if they can get a guy that's a, a viable number three pitcher, I, I think they'll be okay. Who do you think would be the main candidates for that spot in your mind? Probably right now, Wade Miley. He's well, the Miley's one with the, the obvious, yeah. Yeah, best track record. I mean, you got Colin Ray. I wasn't impressed with last year. I know he ate up a lot of innings, but I just maybe it was partly the Brewers' offense. They couldn't score more than two runs. So when you have a starter who's going to average three or four runs loud per game, kind of tough to win games that way. Aaron Ashby, I think, is the biggest question mark, too, when it comes to their pitchers because he's a guy who missed all last year, but the Brewers gave him that contract a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. They really bought into his potential, his pitch mix, and thought he could be a special arm down the lines so he's someone who's going to have to really prove it this year yeah you know the other thing too getting getting back to the everyday lineup if i was the brewers i, I would trade yelich and i'm not sure what kind of value he has now he had a, had a pretty solid season last year but uh let, let's face it he's not even close to resembling the player he was five years ago when, you know, he was one of the best players in the game. And the the, the bottom line is he's 32 years old. How, how long do you hold on to him if you do want to try to trade him, you know? So um, at 32, he's got a couple more years seemingly left in him. But 
if I was the Brewers front office, I would say, hey, let's let's move on from Christian and you know see what we can get. I agree with you in most of that. I would entertain offers, but I wouldn't be quick to just get rid of him for a bag of balls or some dirt for the infield. Yeah, yeah no, but, I, I'm sure they'll get something solid. Yeah, because he had that really good stretch there in the summer where he was driving the ball for power, having some good success, and then he kind of tailed off a little bit. But he increased his home runs, increased power overall, hit for more doubles, stole a decent amount of bases as well, almost was a 30-stolen base guy, had 28. So I think for what they're paying him, it's still almost a bargain. I mean, we see the contracts getting handed out to guys today. He's only making $26 million a year, and I don't remember how much each point mm-hmm. of war is worth, around $10 million, I want to say. So I still think last year he, according to baseball reference, had a 3.6 war. Part of that's defense factored into that, but I still think offensively, He's a quality major league hitter. He's not an MVP or kind of fringe all-star caliber hitter at this point. He can still be a quality hitter in your lineup. He just can't be the best hitter in your lineup, which I think was a Brewers' but, problem but that's last the problem. year. That, that's yeah. where I see the problem. I don't I don't see him being the best hitter in the lineup anymore. Those days are over. And, you know, you, you just wonder if he's not going to revert to what he did the previous couple of years, you know? The, there was some rumblings, and I don't know if it was more media-driven or what, that there were – was it the Blue Jays had some interest potentially in Christian yeah, Yelich? Again, I, I don't know as well, yeah. mm-hmm. where those rumblings came from, but part of it too is Mark Antanasio and Christian Yelich, they're good friends. I mean – Joined at the hip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just don't know if Mark Antanasio, unless Christian Yelich is looking for a fresh start or to go to a contender, if he's just going to willingly – trade Christian Yelich and I'm sure Christian Yelich too has some sort of probably no trade clause in his deal at this point and don't get me wrong I I think Christian Yelich is is a great guy I mean how can he not like the guy you know again he doesn't uh, create any problems for anybody he's just a really good guy so we'll see how that plays out hey uh, one other topic that I wanted to throw at you was like I pointed out earlier in the podcast Brewers won 92 games last year and uh, third most in, in Major League Baseball. They they made some interesting offseason moves. Uh, do you think they moved the needle forward or the needle goes backward with, with this team this year? I think it probably goes backwards. In today's day and age with sports betting, I decided to take a look at just what Vegas was kind of projecting the Brewers at. And MGM has the Brewers over under total at 78 and a half wins. 78? They have the Reds at... 82 and a half. They have the Cubs at 83 and a half and they have the Cardinals at 85 and a half. The only team worse than the Brewers is the Pirates at 73 and a half. And I think the 78 and a half is about right. Frankly, I think the Brewers are going to be about a 500 team, maybe a little worse. And they're going to be a team that's third or fourth in the division behind the Reds and Cubs for sure. And probably the Cardinals, the Cardinals, I'm shocked frankly, have the best win total odds uh, by Vegas because I don't think the Cardinals, I don't like their offseason moves. I think they got an older team, so I don't think they're going to win the division. I think the Cubs at this point, even though I'd still like to see them go sign Cody Bellinger and maybe make a couple other additions, I think they're still the best team. They're the team that 
last year was probably the best team on paper and faded down the stretch in September to keep them out of the postseason. So I think the Brewers are going to take a step back. I don't think this team is capable of winning a World Series. So whether they make it to the playoffs and get knocked out right away or win 75 games, I don't – to me, there's not that big of a difference because I'd rather see the young guys develop – and get comfortable, gain some confidence, and hopefully develop in the right direction and take a step forward. And hopefully in a year, two, maybe three, this team is back in a position where they can seriously contend for a World Series, which really they haven't been in that situation realistically since they lost to the Dodgers and the NLCS. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I I think they are going to take a step backwards. 78 and a half. It was funny. I've been thinking about that for the last couple of days where this Brewer team could go. And I'm a little more optimistic. Uh, again, I think it comes down to that third starter. If they can get some decent production out of that third starter, they're, they're going to be north of the 78 and a half. If they don't, they could easily be south of that. Again, I'm optimistic. I think they're going to win like 83, 84 games and, uh, you know, be, be pretty competitive and, you know, that young guy that we talked about for most of the early part of the show, you know, shows up to be uh, Acuna or, or, you know, some hotshot player. Who knows? That that, that changes things dramatically. But I, I can see where Vegas went with 78 and a half. Like you said, it makes, makes a lot of sense. But uh, we shall see. Anything else you want to say on uh, the Brew Crew? Anything uh, you want to get off your chest? I'll I'll stay away from the owner because they did they <laughs> oh, did sign they, they did sign Hoskins they did sign Chirio so I think those are two positive moves I do think it's going to be fascinating to watch they held off on trading Burns and Adamas this offseason even though there are some rumblings the Dodgers could be interested in both of them I'm sure other teams would have been interested in Burns for sure like the Orioles so I'm going to be fascinated to see how this season plays out and how the Brewers handle the trade deadline, depending because you can get probably a comp pick for Burns, maybe Adamas too in next year's off season when they get signed. But if the Brewers are kind of fringe contenders for a playoff wildcard spot, or if they're not really in the mix, are they going to trade Burns and what can they get for him if they decide to trade him? So I think that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. Like you said, that third starter spot, too. I think Aaron Ashby, they need Aaron Ashby to come back and be a viable pitcher, whether that's a late-inning reliever or a starter. They need to get some value out of that contract because, again, they were a little premature giving him the contract because they like the potential, and so far it hasn't worked out. And that's going to happen in baseball. But for the Brewers' sake, for a small market team who's desperate for a quality third starter, they need someone to step up and fill that spot. So we'll see who it is. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, really enjoy to uh, chat baseball with you. It's hard to believe that their uh, first spring training game is what, February 22nd or 24th. I can't remember exactly what, but it's uh, not very far away. And uh, thank you so much uh, for taking time out to uh, join me today. And for our listeners, be sure to check out Dan's site, baseballprospectjournal.com. Really good reads, and you can you can tell by the stories how much Dan loves baseball. So, Dan, thanks again, and and thanks to our listeners. 
Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.